Hello, welcome to the Life Done Differently podcast with me, Neil Whitten, and my co-host Ray Richards. Join us on our journey to find out what separates the doers from the thinkers. Hi all, this episode is a conversation with Junior Smart. Junior Smart is fantastic. He's really, uh, well... You'll find out. Just, just, just listen. Um, he's a youth leader. Uh, he's an ex-offender. Uh, he's an academic. And a couple of months ago, he added father to the list. If you don't believe people can change, listen to this. It's a story about the power of belonging, a need we all have to belong to a group, uh, a lesson in how we often attach importance to the wrong things and end up in the wrong group, the wrong club. It's a lesson in how... With an open mind and good people in your support team, you can change beyond your imagination. Junior's levels of self-awareness are stratospheric when compared to the frickin' mess he describes himself as in his early 20s. From giving away his personal power to taking it, from toxic masculinity to the TEDx stage, it's quite a journey. This is a story of uh, how to lead yourself. This is part one. Hope you enjoy. Junior, uh, thank you for spending some time with us today. It's um, You're somebody that's been uh, in our world for a couple of years, actually, because I think we, or, or certainly I saw you talk a couple of years ago. I can't remember where it was. It was somewhere in Brighton. Mm. And uh, Ray, I think you were there as well, were you? You were speaking. No, 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 no. That, that was the second time that we met Junior. Oh, no, I've only, I've only seen Junior once. So I saw you speak in Brighton a long time. When, when would that have been, Junior? Um, to be honest, so what, for the TEDx, that would have been, I think that was, that was like a year ago, a year and a half ago now. I'm sure I saw you before then. Was it, would it have been I, Meaning Conference? Might have been, might yeah. have been. So I have this, a, go on, go on. I have this thing where, what I want to do is, is if, if, like, if I'm approached by organisations that are smaller but still I feel would benefit, I have a hand. I have a habit of putting my hand up for, for, for stuff. And so, what tends to happen is I, I, I've got. I don't actually remember every single thing. There's big things that stick out, but they're usually the ones that get me the most nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, that that's probably a good entry point actually so public speaking how much has that become part of your life now how often are you telling your story to people and um and uh gi- giving people confidence and uh and new ways of thinking about things based on your own experiences i get i i, I get very very nervous i get exceptionally nervous and and people wouldn't believe it if i told you but I can tell you something that happened, I think it was like 13 years ago. So tomorrow is the 14th anniversary of the project. But um, at the end of year one of the of the project that I set up, um, there was a lot of media coverage. And um, so I had a lot of uh, young people because this was also falls within Black History Month. And um, I got called out, I got, I got invited to speak at this Black History Event. I couldn't imagine like somebody like me being held up there as um, some kind of vulnerable. It still doesn't sit well with me. But when I arrived, there were like thousands and thousands of, of children 
And I'll be honest, like, you've got no idea. Everyone thinks I'm, I'm so cool and, and calm and collected. But I just, I, I asked for the bathroom. And, and in the back of my mind, I literally was playing it out. Right, I'm going I'm to kick... I'm going to kick down this fire exit door and I'm just going to run. <laughs> and, um, oh my gosh, even thinking about it now. So I called, I called up my partner at the time and she was like, no, she's just like, breathe, Junior, breathe, breathe. <laughs> um, and then um, I went out there and I was so, so nervous. Like my mouth was dry, silence and all. Here was someone that was out had been on national press on, in, in, the, in the newspapers two days before. So they're all expecting me to say something meaningful. And, and my brain just went, went empty. Anyway, the moment I started to speak, everything, everything disappeared. And that happens to this day. So even for this, um, just before we started to speak, I wouldn't have had. And the thing about it is, I always say to myself now, if I don't feel that, then it, it can't really matter that much. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but I'm not joking. Uh, I was going to fly kick down this door. <laughs> I was going to run. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that, that's, I think that's, that's what, to a large extent, that's what this whole podcast is about. It's about overcoming those fears. And, you know, and our reptile brain is, constantly looking for reasons not to do these things that are new mm. and uncomfortable and we quite often <clears throat> do kick down the door and run like hell um and sometimes we don't mm. so junior what where let's let's um let's try and figure out how best to, to start here so um we normally ask the question like how do you describe yourself to somebody so when you meet someone new and they ask about you what do you tend to say um covid has made things a bit different now yeah. <laughs> i don't tend to run into people but um <laughs> um i would say um okay i'm a i'm a youth leader i'm an ex-offender um i'm an academic um i'm now a father but usually i i say no you you've never met anyone like me before definitely oh, that's great <laughs> well that's probably true and do you do you it sounds like you're comfortable pulling all those things together so not necessarily saying one for one type of person and one for another do you do you tend to represent yourself as all of those things no I'll be honest all that's happened is I've become more comfortable with being uncomfortable um mm. I, at the very beginning um I wouldn't ever say ex-offender um because I used to see how people reacted um and they'd freak out by it and um I mean, and that happened at every sort of level. Um, and sometimes, especially, you know, like we've had this recent thing where I got um, like the Queen's Honour and stuff, I, I, I tend to play everything down. So what's the worst thing I've said about myself? I said, um, I work in a Lego factory. <laughs> <laughs> I come up with all sorts. I went through a phase of just making up the most abstract jobs I could think of. Anything to say. Um, that it wasn't me. And, and the ironic thing about it is, is that although you probably think I'm pretty comfortable and everything, it was my counsellor that pointed, out, pointed it out to me that kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm very busy in trying to hide who I am. I'm not one of those people that run out into the centre and say, right, here I am, look at me and look at what I'm doing. You know? Yeah. yeah. 
And I know the story, but it'd be good for the listeners to just get some sense of the journey that you've been on. So let's, let's rewind to some of your earliest memories. What was upbringing like for you? And what was the sort of natural course from what, from your earliest age? What, what, what would you have been doing in life if you'd sort of followed the natural course? Um, to be honest, if I, if I'm, if I'm honest with you, um, when I reflect back, okay, my life is kind of like divided into sort of like three parts. The first part, um, it was pretty normal. Um, raised by raised by a mum and a stepdad, two two sis two sisters, one brother. Um, we 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 grew up. We did. We were we were in quite a lot of poverty. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But to be honest, the problem that I have with that that time is. I've tried to unpack it. So I was just a freaking mess. Hmm. It wasn't like there was anything wrong. Like there wasn't, you know, like me and my sister grew up in a bit of an authoritarian household, but mum and and my pops did the best they can. But none of that was a predicator, not like some of the young people we work with now that are involved in. None of it would be a predicator of it. But my my escalation into criminality happened after my mother died and then, it was very, very rapid. Like some people are quite surprised. It's just it literally within five years, um, my escalation into criminality was quite. And what what age were you when your mum died? Um, so she was. Um, I was twenty one. Um, she was. She she was. She was quite. She was. She was wheelchair bound. Um, at that point, and me and my sisters, um, we were given like literally a couple of weeks because their property was was adapted to fit to a disabled person so we get literally given a couple of weeks to find alternative accommodation um, and also we had to deal with the funeral and all of that stuff and it was for me it was a group of friends that I had around me at that time um, and as you know the problem that we've got um, and I can reflect on it now and say this but I, as I was going through it I didn't realise all of this is that you know one of the things we've got as men is that we're you, you know there's there's toxic masculinity we don't ask for help all of that stuff and what had happened was my mum she'd had um, she'd had a heart attack and then a stroke she was in the hospital and one of my friends um, we were just, at that point I was just sort of like dabbling with it yeah so occasion we were doing occasional criminality but it wasn't high it wasn't intensive. And he he happened to come down to the hospital, um, and it was by chance. Yeah, we, it was purely by chance. We were supposed to be doing something and, and linking up with some girls, um, and my sister had been there all night. So I sent my sister back home, um, and then literally within an hour of her going, um, my mum died. She just mm-hmm. died in front of me, and of course like with like what I mean by that toxic masculinity was is that I assigned something really powerful to mine and his friendship rather than seeing it for what it was I saw I must be fair he was the only guy to see me cry and upset and then on top of that um, I had sister after sister come in and they were literally mortified that mum had died Um, and um, the only person I could lean on at that point was him and so you can understand then me and mm. him, his bond grew very, you know, I signed a lot to it. And in, you know, 
um, when he didn't show up or when he let me down, I'd be really hurt by it. Instead of um, someone with a strong personal power, I gave all my personal power away. I just wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be liked. And that meant being liked by him and being liked by his crew. And, be, and, and instead of assigning my own destiny and reaching out for things that I thought were right for me it was all about being validated by others and and that and that's that's exactly how it went down um it sounds like when you when you uh, explain it in the way you just did that as you said you've unpacked it a lot and you've given it a lot of thought are you able to see similar patterns in other people that you're working with now absolutely that, yeah I, I mean even that regardless of what people might think about um gangs um, and, you know, we've got this whole thing going on in, in the world right now, this Black Lives Matter. But really underneath it all is the battle for identity and the battle for belonging. Um, mm. And I can't tell you how that plays out with the young people we work with. And um, they're coming from marginalised back. And I know everybody, everybody's, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, marginalisation. But no, you don't really understand it. I, we've got clients right now that their bedroom, not even the house, the bedroom is multiple occupancy. Um, And then you try telling that young person, no, 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 don't do what you're doing. Like, like go out there, get a job and whatever else. And this is the whole thing about the battle for identity. When they look around themselves, they can't see anyone that they identify with. Mm. Um, You know, I've even had conversations with the young people and, they, they, they're like, but why would I pay attention to what Boris has got to say? Boris doesn't look like anyone who lives on the end. And they're absolutely right. You mm, know, mm. here comes a guy from a different walk of life, and, but his rules are, are dictated across the site as a blanket. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for the homes they come from um, and what, what a young person relates to as within their reach. I often ask myself, why did I go down the path of, I could have done anything, you know, why did I have to become like some driver for this group? Why did I have, you know, why did I, why did I get off on the fact that people would say, oh, you know, Jay, like, I like the fact that you can go from zero to 100 miles an hour. Like, why did I get off on, on that instead of the stuff that really matters to me now, you know, mm. um, which is people and, I honestly can say one of the biggest things I've learned, you know, every, every, everyone in life wants something. Um, but the biggest thing about life is, is a life of giving is, is a life that's really worth living. Do you see mm. what I mean? Yeah, I do. I really do. And I, 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 again, because I know the story, but we'll dig into this a bit more is that you, what you're saying is that there's just a lack of role model and, and that, in a in an, an amazing way you've become that role model to other people and you've understood the importance of that role model is that fair I wouldn't say that I am that role I'm definitely not I'm still on the path but it's not just role models it's about relatability um, and also what young people feel is within their within their reach within their grasp and what's acceptable mm. to them it's you know yeah <clears throat> Can I just ask a question about role models? Because I'm a little bit confused because on one, one side, you're saying that people need role models. On the other side, you're saying that, not your language, but mine, be yourself, find a way of being yourself. 
And so does a role model need to be somebody who encourages you is themselves and therefore encourages you to be yourself Mm. rather than be like them? Yeah, I mean, the reality is there's so many different paths to success, you know, and people are chasing different things. Um, I think you can you see the ironic thing is people might call me a leader, but you can only be a leader if other people choose to follow you. Mm. And when you're a leader, you actually, when you know that, you actually value the people that follow you. Do you see what I mean? Is that, but then some yeah. people just want to be a manager because it's the sake of being a manager and having the title of being a manager. Um, and they and it's ironic when I stepped into the arena um, and I started, you know, so I developed this project and um, I started developing people. And some people just wanted to be where I was just because they wanted the title. They didn't understand what that meant. Yeah. For me, everybody, I mean, for me, being a leader meant being a leader for myself. Mm. Um and and setting you know having a certain level of autonomy and um i think uh, role role model was a bad label on my part i think it's more the mentor role yeah you mean um, you want to you want to have people if if you're if you're a young person coming up right just just using complete um empathy putting myself in in a young person's shoes even without the criminal aspect and um, we have to feel sorry for the young people like they're like the the very lifestyle we're living now is flinging everything at them. The internet itself can be a highway where they can learn at incredible speeds. It can be like the matrix. You can be a free radical. You can learn anything. Um, But at the same extent, it can be a milestone around its neck because Mm. you're, you're, you're inundated with all of that stuff. And if you haven't got, if you say, therefore, if you haven't got direction, you get swayed about. And, um, one of the things um, about about um, being a young person now is there's so many pressures. I mean, and this is these are pressures that women have long known about. We've had male. Pri- I'm a male. I haven't had half the pressures that women have. Um, but um, there are pressures as well, and there's like we're much more aware now. Stigma around mental health and all of that. So try and navigating all of that. Male suicides at an all-time high. Um, this year alone, two of my friends have taken their own lives. I found out in the harshest way possible, um, and they didn't reach out for help. Um, so you've got all of that stuff going on as a young person, and it's like, okay, okay, here's the situation. Now you add in the deficiencies, like mum struggling, dad struggling. Maybe you know they've got some adverse childhood experience, domestic violence going on in the household. Maybe even in some realities. For our young people we work with, they've taken out doorstep loans. And then you look around you and you say, right, how can I earn X, Y, and Z? And really realistically, there's either going to be music or or sport. Um, but then there's always a choice. If you're coming from an impoverished area or an area that lacks, you're going to look at the person in the community that perhaps has that. And if mm. they're not in an upstanding role, or if their if their role is difficult to get to, or it's in an obscure pathway, imagine like climbing to the top of the mountain but actually the only way up there is for a very treacherous route that many people mm. don't make it then you're going to take the easy routes and that's kind of what it's about do you see me who do you relate to who's who's got what you what you want or who do you who do you think is within your reach that you can be most like mm. 
Um, and that's why I say, right, well, actually, um, this is why um, um, I wouldn't put myself in that because my path was, my path was a wreck. Um, well, let's, 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 let's explore that. So you said there, there's, you see, you see it as three phases, right? Is it, yeah. is it fair that the, so the first phase is up until the point where you're off the rails. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so what did that look like? What, what, what did your world look like when you'd really got off the rails? There was fun times, you know, there was that the whole reason behind people loving that aspiring to be like these gang members is because of the image that's portrayed and the myth of that. But the fun times were easily offset by the negative times. So, yeah, I was liked. Yeah, we had, you know, we there were wild parties and there was drugs and there were girls and there was reputation and there was fast cars and there was money. Um, but then the downside was that I quickly found myself in situations that were kind of beyond my control. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was still juggling. I still, on one hand, had a job. I didn't drop all of that stuff. I didn't have a sense of identity, didn't have a sense of, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. Um, and I haven't told anyone. I mean, there's a few people that know this, but you know, I stopped a robbery from happening. I, I saved, I, you know, I, I saved, I saved a number of kids. At one point I was, I was changing. Well, where, where you were, where you were on what side of the fence? Were you there with them participating and then you, you managed to kind of close it down or, or no 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 so I walked in I was working I was where I, I actually really? I worked um I worked and then I did my hustle on the side with the crew I was working so hang on so where were you where were you working Junior I can't I can't tell you um, because, oh I yeah, see right but I was working and I happened to I just walked in on I walked in on on a robbery and um I flipped out um, the guy felt like um, it was too much. I wait, believe it or not, we called the police. I waited for the police to show up. The guy got arrested. The guy got the guy got later arrested, um, and then he pleaded not guilty, thinking like I wasn't going to go to court. I did, and then he he, he pleaded guilty. There was another situation. Then on the other side, on the flip side, I was um, on a job. I was on an earner. The guys told me to drop the drugs off. It was a group of children. I, I flipped out at them. I said, like, don't ever, like, I'm not there to do. I ended up making a thing called MASH, which is, um, which was sherbet, coco de mal. I ground it all. I was crazy. I was in the back of a car, like, like grinding this stuff up. And then I just hung about. These were some yuppie kids. And I just hung about. Obviously, I didn't want them to snort it and end up in hospital. And then I just hung about to make sure they were all right. Um, there were all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and guys, what guys? So when this thing all came and came on top, um, and I was in prison, the guys were saying to me, "Look, like this is what's happened. Like actually, they set you up. Like you were you were kicking off with these people. You were pulling at the seams." And I think that's largely because I didn't know who I was and what yeah. I was about. Do you see what I mean? It was crazy. Yeah. So you had these two sides of your personality fighting against each mm, other. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I really did wow. kick off. And then there was another situation that we had where, um, <laughs> oh dear, some of the stuff anyway, I think about, I'm like, why the hell did you ever had that? Like, why the hell did you, why the hell did I do that? I, there was a situation where um, they brought these girls in um, and 
um, it just looked like it was going too far. I stuck out my stuck out my neck for the girls, got the girls out of the situation, and then the guys were kicking off with me, saying that um, I was moist, I was weak, I'm not taking what I deserve, and all of that stuff. I saw nothing in what they were doing that was positive. Um, yeah, yeah, crazy. And then, do you, do you look back on those moments, and I presumably. You, did you reflect on those moments? Do you think at the time, no. or, or, or or was that it was just later looking back that you started to understand this fight, the internal fight that you were having? Um, I think the problem was when I think back on it now, I didn't reflect enough on it. Um, the last job that I did, um, where everything came on top. Um, what had actually happened in that in that in that in that situation was that I had I had some breathing space at the end, and I, I realised oh no this thing is really going crazy, and that when I when I when I get back I'm just going to call it a day, and of course that's the that's the one where it all went it all went pear shaped. I wasted a lot of money. I was you know I remember um, in pre- I remember. <laughs> so like my goal seemed to always be chasing money um chasing money like you know I saw this 10 grand that me and my sister was attached to um that was what we costed you know costed us to move and all of that stuff um and um but we were we were money was coming through my hands all the time and then when I was in prison I was studying doing a business course and I thought for the first time hmm Let's see where we'll, let's see why I never actually had that money. And then when I, I did the calculation forecast, the fact was I broke even within the first year, but the rest of it was just, it was just being spunked away on drugs, on, on, on pathetic stuff, like stupid stuff that was, ne- you know, the car that I, the car that I bought got stolen when I was inside. Yeah, I never got, you know what I mean? And my sister still ended up struggling. It was just stupid. And so it was a massive wake up. Like, my gosh, I really, the only way I can describe it, and then this is what I mean, it was a bit like, the second stage was a bit like a cocoon. It was like taking an item of clothing out of the washing machine um, to iron it. And as you know, you as you iron out one crease, a crease appears somewhere mm. else and you iron out that crease. And that's what it was like. Yeah. So that that first phase culminated in um, you you called it a job, but what but what that was was moving drugs or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then that that saw you um, get arrested, get sentenced, and then on the inside. Yeah. Had you had you imagined before that had happened that was there any consideration that that might have been a future for you? No. I had no idea, like most people, and, and this is a thing as well. Um, yeah, like, you know, so here's an example, right? One of my friends, he'd, he'd had, he had this car that was stolen and we're driving, we're driving down, we're driving down Oxford Circus, yeah? And we just gone and linked with, we just, oh, one second. That's him. Sorry, one second. This That's is, all right. This is about my car. <laughs> one second. Hello, hiya. Um, where do we get to, Junior? So, so you were saying um, the car yeah, was 
Oh yeah, how was your car? Is your car? No, yeah, no, no. In the car. The car that was is your stolen. Car right? No, not yeah. that one. Hang on. So, so we're clear. The, the, the phone call you've just had was not about a stolen car. No, 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 no. All right. Okay. All right. No. Things have changed. All right. That's no, fine. No, you were no, no, in, no, in a car in Oxford. God. It was a car in Oxford Street, and that yeah. was a stolen car. Right. So it was a stolen car. We'd gone. We'd gone to link some girls. Coming back, I'm driving because this guy. He like you know what it is when you're a young kid you think you're running around like you're the big like the big I am in you but you haven't got a clue yeah. and so like he's he's always like he can drive and stuff he can't I'm driving which is stupid because <laughs> I put myself when you think about it I actually put myself at risk yeah like like in the like you go under the code of the street is if we got arrested like I'm not gonna say anything like. Like, I'm not going to say a word. I've got to take the charge. That's how it goes down, right? Which, but I happily would take that. I wouldn't dare think about that now. Anyway, so we're driving. I'm driving the car. And I see sirens. Sirens in, 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 on, on the road behind us. And you can, you know, it's nighttime. You can see the flashing blue lights. So my heart's racing. And I pull over. And the car carries on. Yeah, it's it's been called yeah. to something else. Like you gotta understand what this is like. This is a black I'm a black man, yeah, with a like with with a mixed race passenger, like Oxford Street, the car is is hotter than freaking summertime. <laughs> what, what, what what we what are we talking about here? What sort of car are we talking about? Oh talking it's it's a mash it's a man like when you when you when you steal a car, like the stuff that they don't show you in the movies is is like <laughs> There's wires hanging, there's wires dangling, it's all sort of like, do you know, like half of the half of the the dash is ripped out, you know, where the stereo was and all that stuff. And um and um so yeah, but anyway, here's what happened. So let me show you how how reverse it is. I've like I've the the the, the police fans pulled on, carried on, and I've just like after almost near having a heart attack, I've I've pulled out. But here's how it goes. My guys are like, whoa, did you see that, Jay? No, you're a bad man. Like, you, you don't buckle under pressure. You're cool, blood. You're cool. You're cool. Like, this is why we like you, man. This is why, this is why you're going to be our driver. This is why we, this is what it is. Come, fam. Fill up, fill up the biggest spliff, bub. You're coming down to our place. And do you understand? What's literally happened is, is what should have been like an actual real negative experience and made me like like if anyone in their right might like hang on a second man that's a criminal record all this stuff is really serious now this stuff's getting on top you've gone from like literally being like from having it like from bunning a bit of weed now to becoming the driver to all of this stuff this you know all of that stuff should have been playing out in fact it's like a big excitement whoop, whoop, like there's no consequences it's them versus us um, and once again, we've come out on top. And that stuff played itself out so many times. Every time that was close um, to it, um, it played itself out. There was one time I walked in on a young kid that was getting, they were steaming him. So what happens is that if, you, if you've got, if you're a person who's got blinged up, like they call dripping, these guys from a rival group had caught we were in a club these guys from a rival group had caught this kid in, in the toilet and they were literally getting him to take all his jewellery off and all of that and they were beating him, that like they were going to let him run out through the club naked. I walked in on that 
and if like again my heart was racing I'm I'm like that but I'm seeing this small little black kid in the corner cowering like I had to go for it like and I'll tell you what the key was right so everyone hypes me up over this situation but I knew that my friend was in the toilet cubicle behind these boys it's just he hadn't done anything um, so when I kicked off with these guys, like me versus three of them, oh, man. like, and I'm, I'm, I'm literally in my head, I'm going to get pasted. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to get pasted. But of course, my boy hears my voice. He comes out. Now it's two versus three. And the boy who was getting robbed ran out. Anyway, again, the guys are like, you see, you stand up for yourself, all of that stuff. Anyway, when we came out of the club, that boy who, who was getting robbed, he went and got his brothers and stuff. We came out of the club and those guys that were attacking him were all in a heap on the floor. But of course he thought I was the person that saved him. Um, and of course my boys thought I was good. And so a situation where I could have ended up in A&E has now ended up with me being at the centre. And that's kind of how it... So you, you, you're, it sounds like you sort of... These situations, you quickly bounced you know, into positive mode from what should have been negative. You've, you've, you've got something really, it seems to have ended up positively. Mm. And, 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 and are you, are you, what, what are you thinking when, when this happened or aren't you thinking? I'm, I'm thinking um, at the time, like uh, non-consequentially. Yeah. And I'm also thinking, um, like, so I wasn't thinking about the consequences. I wasn't thinking about what was happening. Like this, this stuff is very, very serious. Although like we've laughed and joked about it, it's very serious. Like knife crime and all this mm. stuff that we're seeing now is no joke. Um, but I'm not thinking consequentially. And I'm also um, thinking about how great it is to be liked and to have a yeah, sense okay, of belonging. Yeah. And So you're valuing that much higher than anything else really it's about being a part of something mm -hmm. a being about part being part of a, a, a part of a club yeah 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 part of a club that's your club and you're a valued member and um you're adding and that makes you feel good um but at no point are you ever thinking about the consequences and and when when did that process start where you did start there was there was some stuff there was some stuff that came really on top i remember guys were threatening me and threatening my sister and i couldn't tell my sister about it and all that sort of stuff but you laugh that stuff off you can't show fear you can't show weakness you can't that's just not how I'm part and parcel of it goes when things i tell you when things came on top was that when i was arrested and um um, I'm in I'm in a I'm in a police station in in Crawley, um, and um, my sister's thinking I've just been arrested for cannabis, but I'm having to tell that. Well, actually, the, the custody sergeant is telling her that it's crack cocaine and it's an importation charge. Um, and my sister literally like that, and not only that, they're really enough different things I've been involved in. And um, my sister at the end of it is like looking at me like, wow, I don't even know who you are anymore. And the craziest thing is, is the solicitors didn't even really want, no solicitor wanted to show up. I was banned to rights, you know, like the drugs are caught on me. Um, you know, the lies were obvious lies. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So um, 
And you know, so yeah, it was awful. It was a terrible situation. And uh, I mean, and what and what were you when you were in the police station at Crawley? What 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 are you? What are they telling you? You're going to go down for? Oh man, it was it was terrible. They wanted me to grass up on on everything I was doing. Um, I was just like, nah, I, you know, I ain't saying anything. Um, my sister, like you imagine, I'm the only like every police station I'm in, I'm only allowed one, I'm only allowed one phone call, and sometimes the custody sergeant don't even want you. I'm shocked. I was really upset with what was going on. I was crying. Custody sergeants don't want to hear you crying in their freaking police station. Shut the hell up and get behind the door. And um, it's a bit like that. Yeah, it was mad. It was terrible. But what what are you thinking? The, you know, what's the what's the worst future you're thinking about then, or they're telling you is going? To I had no idea. I had no idea. Right, okay. you but you just knew it was serious. Yeah, no, you don't. You don't weigh up. This is the ironic stuff. You don't weigh up. You don't weigh up. I weren't carrying out the crimes thinking what sort of charge does this. And this is what we tell the young people now when we're doing sessions with the young people. I weren't weighing all of that stuff up. And um, it, yeah. you've got to remember, like when I was. 26 it was a different time like now you can use your phone and find out what mm. uh, a charge is that's not how it was going down at all um, and if anything what you rely on because that's what you tend to look at is newspaper headlines are oh, so it was a couple of people caught and um, done got done for a bank robbery or whatever oh look they always say a combined total of blah 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 but when you work it out it's not really a lot is it um, but they don't, no one really talks about, well, actually, so I can tell you something for a fact at that time is how, how the charges work is if you get, if you get, um, if you get eight years and over, you've got to do two thirds of that time. Like even, even when I was arrested, they didn't tell, they didn't, they didn't say that. They just talked about, well, you're going in prison for a long time. Well, what's a long time? Do you see what I mean? Um, it was awful. It was a terrible situation. Do you also think, Junior, that because you'd been in this mode for so long where you weren't contemplating because there was just that wasn't in your world, that the ability to contemplate wasn't really there? It wasn't it wasn't natural yeah. for you at that at that time to be contemplating. So you were just kind of going through the motions with it and taking things as they came. Yeah, absolutely. Surviving, living, living from moment to moment. This is the thing, isn't it? When you think about a situation, if you want to break it down now in terms of behavioural change, what's actually happened is all for those times which came close and I got away with it, it was positively reinforcing the action. Yeah. yeah. yeah? Um, there was no consequential strands. No one stopped. Like, I didn't stop. I wasn't thinking about what was going on. So there was no consequences to my thinking. Why would there be? Every time I'd done it, I'd gotten away with it. So by that time... I was almost at a, a, a point of self-entitlement. I remember mm. even with one interview, I was talking to the police officer, like, who are you to arrest me? Like, do you know what I mean? That's where I was going. Like, you, you're nothing to me. Do you get what? I have to take my hat off at one, 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 with one of the interviews. I really, I really, like, if that officer, like, right now, I mean, if that officer wanted to, he could have punched my, the stuff I was saying to him, um, I wouldn't even repeat here because I guarantee you, you wouldn't like me very much if I said it, you know, but just my sense of entitlement was that much like, wow, I almost felt like I was like some sort of mafia boss, which I wasn't. I was a young kid 
You didn't mm. even need to do what I was doing. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. When, 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 did, when did the process of contemplation actually start right. to kick in? I tell you, people, people always say to me, was this really the case? But it was. So I was at Crawley Police Station and I was pacing up and down the cell and it was hitting me like every single thing like and the impact of it all I've, I've been i've been awake for about 12 hours i've been um interviewed by the police officers and it was going south very quickly and then i was honestly this is the truth i was thinking that right like there's there must be support for someone like me in this situation there has to be so i'm knocking like because you have to press the bell and the guy comes, the officer comes to the flat. What do you want? Yeah. I'm like, there must be support for someone like me. And he's like, well, where you're going, mate, high down prison, there's the um, there's the Samaritans and the listener scheme there that you can talk to them all freaking night. Yeah. And then he just slammed the shutter. But the thing was, you see, he it was like, honestly, and I'm not meaning this in, in I, I hope you don't feel like I'm just saying this. This is 100% true but it was um probably the most unselfish time of my life you see the thing was i wasn't thinking um, i was going to call them out i was thinking that i wanted to join them and i wanted to be i wanted to be someone that would provide support to somebody like me that was it that's 100 percent where my mind went um and In, in that moment yeah absolutely i remember it like that like it was right now and that was because because the guy misunderstood me. He thought I needed the help. I'm thinking to myself, there has to be help and support for someone like me. And if there isn't, then mm. there should be. Um, and that that's that sounds like it's the two halves of Junior talking to each other again. Yeah. You've taken yourself out of. You're just looking down on the situation, aren't you? You got no idea what I was hit at that one point when I was, because there was one point they wanted to, they were, you don't act like, they, they, the, the process of interviewing is, is a finely tuned process. So they had me in the cell, like, and they were, like, they knew that I had never been arrested before. I hadn't, I had been arrested and I had, I had been arrested and I had been on bail for, for a number of things, but they were all years in the, in the previous. Yeah, but this time it was really on top. It was really, really on freaking top. So what they did is they hang it, they hang that out to dry. They want you to freaking break. Yeah. Then they bring you in and they just come in at you with a couple of questions where they know you probably haven't had a chance to figure out your, your line of defense. Then they hang you out to dry again. Yeah. Like, and at that point they're letting you know, boom, like if this thing goes wrong for you, you're going down, down, down. Like, for, like by that step, by the third time, I was literally like hitting my head against the brick wall. Like I just wanted it to be freaking over. I just had enough. Um, and then that's like after I'd had the then 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 a solicitor turned up. Thank God my sister had managed to find someone. Um, and she just literally told me she was a good-looking lady, but she just literally told me, "Look, you're not going to get away with this thing. Like you're going to go to prison. You know." You're gonna, um, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to be bowed and go to prison. They're not gonna give you bail. And then that was literally when the click happened. Like, like, okay, so now there's only one way it's gonna go. Like, 
how like who would support someone like me like now i've experienced the bitterness of it like like who is there any is there any support is there any services for someone that's hit that kind of level there isn't right great i need to know where they are and if not i need to go about doing something to change it because i i just couldn't believe i was the only one that was in that situation do you know, like everybody else, I thought everybody that was in prison kind of, or in police cells kind of deserved it. Um, and I, I know there's probably loads of people that felt like I deserved what I got there, but my gosh, I still wasn't ready for it. I wasn't prepared hmm. for it. Do you know what I mean? So, so would it be fair to say that this, this was a rock bottom moment and, and, and at the same time it was a turning point? Yeah. It might not have been rock bottom, but it certainly was near to it. <laughs> okay, and, um, all right. So yeah, yeah. And what, that moment in the cell where you thought, I'm, "This isn't for me. This is for the people that need it." And why is it not there? Did that start to become? So that was a seed that turned into something that was driving you, yeah. that was looking after you in some ways. Yeah, yeah. It was direct. It was. It, well, it was interesting because earlier on in the conversation, you talked about. Um, you know, you and the people around you not having any direction whatsoever, but it sounds like this was the moment when you started to have some sense of direction. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so hugely bittersweet at that moment. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, great. I found direction. Yeah. But, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Didn't think yeah, I was going to find it here. Yeah. Yeah. Funny, yeah, that's, that's. The funniest thing is about it is I wouldn't even have said it was sweet um, because I didn't even realize where the path was gonna go. I just knew I needed to do something about it. And I like, you know, certainly to this day, like, I mean, I had no idea all of this stuff was gonna be where it is or how things would be. I hadn't, even up until the, even up until the point when I left custody, I had no idea it would kind of be like this. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just amazing. I, th I think what we should do, Junior, is we should do an EastEnders um, <laughs> what do they call it what do they the call dum -dums, the, uh, the, dum -dums. the dum dums yeah 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 so we'll get finn to put one of those in um and then we'll pick up in the second conversation that the, the what happens next yeah. is that all right yeah that's fine because i feel like we've got to a great a great yeah, point right, exactly yeah, like we're, great, yeah we're following the junior and the two sides of junior and you're now at this point in life where you're starting to contemplate and you've got this seed but we don't know where it's going to go yet and um and then there's all sorts i think in the in the second phase to explore isn't there mm, yeah cool yeah does that sound okay sounds great thanks so much guys all right well we'll send you we'll send you another link and um book a time and i'll i'll make sure that it's um yeah it says the right time this time sorry <laughs> i don't know what happened i'm there. so sorry <laughs> i don't i don't I really don't know um but yeah, yeah yeah i mean if i told you like, you wouldn't believe what's actually happening right now. This is a very high-profile thing. But the very fact that it's happening on the anniversary of my release from class, like, you, when, I, when this thing is all over, this will be another one of those moments. You'll be like, wow, like, do you know what I'm saying? This is, it was just, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. crazy. It's I can't talk about it. But, um, I can't wait to, and, to, to know more. Yeah, yeah, no, it'll be good. It'll be good. All right. All right, man. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll schedule some more time with you yeah. and good luck with whatever it is that you've got going on. Good luck with the baby as well. I was hoping to chat about yeah, that. Are you, are you, how's that going? I'm loving it. I'm absolutely oh, loving that's it. That's great. Loving it. 100%.
Good All for right. you, man. Nice. I really, really look forward to chatting soon. Then. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll pick it up. yeah. Nice one. Cheers, Julia. No worries. All right. All right. Thanks, buddy. Cheers, cheers, cheers. See you later. Bye, 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 bye. That's it, folks. For show notes, head over to the website at www.lifedonedifferent.ly where you'll find links, a quick summary, and you can also explore other conversations. If you're enjoying this podcast, then please tell your friends, give us a good rating, and remember to subscribe. We're also really keen to hear your feedback, so please do let us know what you think and give us your ideas over on Twitter. You can tweet us at LifeDoneDiff, that's double F.